There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Date Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, and I'm a green smoothie enthusiast, a radical self-care advocate, and a dating mindset coach for ambitious women looking for a deep and meaningful romantic partnership. Each week, you'll hear me answer a frequently asked question from this community, interview experts in the field, or work directly with a caller as I coach them through a dating or relationship obstacle they're facing. I give practical advice and tangible action that you can apply to your own life so you can learn how to treat yourself the way you want to be treated and get into the relationship you desire and deserve. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Date Yourself Radio. Today I have Robin Baldwin on the show with me and y'all, her story and her transformation blew my mind. So much of what she shares reminds me of specific conversations I've had with women in this community. Her story includes everything from being on a timeline to when you think you should be married or having kids, ignoring glaring red flags, taking responsibility for your partner's happiness, completely losing yourself in a relationship, a broken wedding, and taking your mom on your honeymoon instead. Totally Sex in the City, the movie style. Y'all, Robin's story has it all, and her transformation, growth, and healing is one of the most inspiring things I've heard. Robin is a self-described alpha female and a work-life harmony strategist at RobinBaldwin.com. She is a former CFL, which is Canadian Football League cheerleader, and a fitness competitor, a published fitness model, and a freelance magazine writer. She is also the future best-selling author of her forthcoming book, Love Lost, Life Found, about her canceled wedding and picking up the pieces. The book is set to release on August 25th of this year, which is the anniversary of the day she was supposed to get married four years ago. And when we're closer to that date, we'll bring her back on the show and maybe do a giveaway because her story is just so incredible. I know that her book is going to be just as amazing. But before we listen in on this incredible interview, as you're listening, here are some questions I want you to consider. In your current or past relationships, Did you or do you believe that you are responsible for your partner's happiness or feelings of love? 
Does unconditional love conquer all? At what point is for better or worse a bad idea? Are you operating under a timeline of when you think you ought to be married or having kids? And finally, what red flags have you ignored? When has going against your intuition worked for you? And has it ever? Okay, keep these questions in mind as we listen in. Here we go. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the show. And we're just going to jump right in. I have Robin Baldwin with me and let's just jump in. Hey, hey, Robin, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be on. Good. I'm so excited that you are here and you just have an incredible story that I cannot wait to share with my audience. So um, first, why don't you just um, just talk a little bit about um, who you are, where you are and how you got to be where you are. Sure. So, um, I call myself an alpha female and that easily translates into someone that's really, really ambitious, but trying to be happy and healthy at the same time. So I call myself also a work-life harmony strategist because, um, the term balance is really abrasive to most people, but finding harmony in your life is important. So I work full-time in corporate marketing. I'm also a fitness and lifestyle blogger and a freelance writer and a future best-selling author. So I'm writing um, a book called Love Lost, Life Found this year in 2016 about how I called off my wedding in 2012 and left a very toxic relationship and discovered a life that I now love. Oh, wow. Um, That sounds um, like an incredible story. Would you mind kind of jumping into, let's just jump right into that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of share about the relationship, how you came to um, see that it was toxic and, you know, just, just um, share the audience, share with the audience about that relationship. Yeah. So I was in a relationship with a man for around four years and, um, we had gotten engaged, uh, two years into the relationship and started planning the wedding Mm -hmm. and, um, about, I would say nine to 10 months into the engagement, um, things got, things got bad in terms of the sense that I discovered that my fiance was dealing with depression when, uh, he attempted suicide. And, um, two weeks later I was let go from my job, um, and was trying to figure out how to help my fiance, uh, deal with, uh, whatever was happening. I, he had always had kind of these mental ups and downs. I was, I was calling them just like his like monthly PMS. Um, cause I, I didn't know what it was. I'd never been around someone who was depressed before. I had no idea anything about mental illness. And so I I didn't know what I was seeing. Um, and then when he had an attempted suicide, um, everything just kind of like blew up and, um, tried to get him help, tried to get him diagnosed, tried to figure out what it was, uh, so many appointments with specialists and, um, we, we never got a firm diagnosis, but from all of the research that I did and specialists that I talked to, um, it seemed very much bipolar in terms of like, he was, he was fine one moment and then not fine the next. And, um, there was highs and then there was lows. Um, and, uh, he also turned to alcohol, uh, as his coping mechanism. So at the beginning of the relationship, we'd both been partiers and I had started a fitness and health journey. Uh, and he had continued to drink and continued to party throughout the relationship. And, okay. 
when the depression got bad, the drinking got bad and leading up to the leading up to the wedding, um, there was constant partying. Sometimes he would disappear for days on end. I I wouldn't know where he was. Um, so there was a lot of drinking. Um, and then to make a long story short, um, we, jointly decided to postpone the wedding a month before it happened because the, the depression had gotten so bad. The drinking had gotten so bad. Um, I had reached out to a former boyfriend just so lost and not understanding what was happening. Mm -hmm. And my former boyfriend had gotten married and his wife at the time was dealing with postpartum depression. And so I had reached out to him to discuss you know, how did she decide to go on medication? What is it helpful? What were my options in helping my fiance? And my fiance found our conversations and thought I was cheating on him. So, uh, he went off in a rage and, um, things got really bad. And that's when we decided to quote unquote, postpone the wedding. So we made that decision. He disappeared for a week. Um, I didn't know where he was and I, went through the process of, you know, emailing guests and canceling everything, um, contacting all the vendors. Uh, and then my fiance and I started discussing, you know, what was, what was our relationship to come? Um, and I had, I had, I believe in unconditional love and I believe in loving someone through the bad times. So mm-hmm. I said, if this wedding, like this event, this party, if this is causing stress, then let's get rid of it. And then let's focus on us and the relationship and what's happening here. Um, and so I had said, I, you know, I, I really want to work on us, but one, I can't have you drink every single night. Like that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, if you're going to come back, he was living with me. And I, I said, if you're going to come back and live with me, I need you to stop drinking. And I need you to talk to someone about potential treatments for the depression. Uh, and we, I never used the words depression because I felt like that was a trigger. And so I was just like, for your sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he came back and lived with me. So we had already called off the wedding. So I was already dealing with the pain of that. Um, and, uh, the, the month leading up to that date that where it was like, it was supposed to happen. He was living with me, but he was drinking every single day. He wouldn't come home until, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning and he was drunk every single night. So it just got to be too much. And I was, I was trying to fix a very broken, uh, human Mm. and, um, the turning point was the, the lowest of the low was one day he, um, he came home really, really drunk and turned to me and said, you disgust me. And that was, that was my, that was my final moment where I realized that all of his indiscretions and all of his sadness and anger towards himself, he had flipped around on me. Yeah. Um, and so it, yeah. it wasn't, wasn't pretty, but we, uh, ended the relationship. I had him leave our place of residence and, um, just started to try to rebuild the pieces after that. Wow. That's an incredible story. And, um, I mean, just so many things, like even if someone hasn't dealt with specifically that situation, there's so many things in there, um, that I think so many women, um, can definitely relate to. So, um, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. And one thing that you mentioned um, just now, and also we were talking before offline about being responsible for his happiness and um, 
and like being responsible for fixing him. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, where did that, where did that come from? Did you, you know, were you taught that that was your responsibility in a relationship as a woman or just, um, can you just, just share a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. So I went through therapy for, um, two years after calling off the wedding and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm back in therapy now because I love the value that I get from it and mm-hmm. believe in it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at that time I was unpacking the concept of unconditional love. And so I learned that from my parents. My parents unconditionally love each other. My mom unconditionally shows love to other people in uh, her life, as well as family members. Um, like the, the last few years of my grandmother's life, she was in an old folks home with dementia and Alzheimer's and could barely speak. And she suffered from strokes. And my mom went to visit her every single day and just talk to her. So like I've, I've watched my mom give unconditional love to people. So I believe in the power of just loving people. Hmm. Um, so I thought that if I unconditionally loved this human, he would be okay and that love would conquer all. And it was those types of thoughts. But wow. I, no, I wasn't being taught, uh, or I was like, I saw it, but I didn't really like understand the validity of someone meeting you halfway or someone, you know, also working on themselves and self-development mm-hmm. and self-love. And um, I can look back in hindsight and see that this individual just did not love himself and yeah. um, whether or not there was a, a, an actual mental illness, like I can't, I can't speak for that, um, but I can speak for how, how bad it got in the depression. So I thought, I thought I had to make this person happy. I thought that if I was happy in the relationship and I like projected happy, he would like feed off of it. Mm, that's um, so interesting. And, uh, there was also like, I was able to pull him out of lows pretty fast. Um, and like by cracking jokes or, or like cooking him a really nice meal. And so I thought that like my actions, when I saw that happening, I was like, Oh, I can make him happy. Like there's things I could do. Um, and I also realized that he started using the depression to control the relationship. So I would start walking around on eggshells, not wanting to be a trigger um, because I didn't want to ever like set him off. Um, And um, I never wanted to like be the reason why he like went on a deeper depression or like spent five days in a low stuff like that. So uh, I didn't voice my opinions very often. Um, I didn't try to have conversations with him because I thought that would bother him. So I was very much just like trying to make him happy. I stopped doing things that I love, like going to the gym. Um, cause I would rush home from work to make sure he hadn't killed himself. Um, and I laugh, but like, that's what I was doing. I was, I was my, I was living my entire life about trying to make sure this person was okay. Um, and that also came out of the, the suicide note that he had hand, handed me said that the only reason why he was alive was because of me. So I had, oh, he had, wow. so he lots had, of pressure and guilt he had placed that on my shoulders. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I didn't understand the concept that you choose your own happiness. Uh, mm. after the relationship ended, I had nights of insomnia and anxiety and I would scroll through Pinterest quotes and Pinterest is one of my therapy tools. <laughs> But I would see quotes of it, like just the simple concept, like you choose your own happiness. Today I choose happy. And I was like, what? Oh, 
oh, it's just, it's internal. Like I had no concept until I was like 30 years old. I hadn't even understood that this was like, it was completely something I had to do for myself. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it for this individual um, mm-hmm. because I had been in a co- an unhealthy codependent relationship. And yeah. um, I saw my parents and my grandparents in healthy codependent relationships growing up. So I just assumed that if I loved this individual, it would be it would be okay. It would be a codependent relationship. I didn't realize how unhealthy it had become. Wow. Yeah. And I, I just, um, I love what you talk about with, you know, being responsible for your own happiness and that comes from within because so many of the women that I work with were in relationships where they were, um, seeking their happiness from the other person, um, you know, or vice versa, like your situation. And, um, I'm just so glad that you said that because it's just the core of what I teach in the date yourself community about being responsible for your own happiness, own feelings of love, joy, whatever it is that, um, <clears throat> that you want to feel. So I really, really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I was, um, looking on your website and we'll share your website in the show notes for the readers to dive into more of your story. Um, but you, let's see, you say that you had no concept of needing to fill your cup before you pour it into his. So you can, can you talk a little bit about like, about that? Like, what did that look like for you? The things that you weren't doing anymore in your, in your Mm -hmm. life? Yeah. So this relates back to the definition of alpha female that I kind of created after leaving the relationship. So I defined it in 2012, right after the relationship ended. Mm -hmm. And, um, it actually said an alpha female puts the needs of her friends, families, and coworkers first. Cause I still had that type of mentality that like, you have to be there for everybody in your life because I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a giver. And, um, I started a series on my blog called Alpha Female Fridays, and it has led into a podcast where I interview different women. And I interviewed one woman, her name's Rebecca Baruki or Beck's Life on social media. And um, she was like, I know what you're trying to say here, but do you realize that like you've been putting yourself first in your healing journey? Um, and again, it was a Pinterest quote, like you need to fill your cup up before you pour it into others or you need to fill up your gas tank before you can go save someone on the highway or the airplane mask analogy. Like you have to put it on before you help a child or the person beside you. Um, and that's what I've been doing over the past four years. Like I've been, you know, putting my health first, making Mm -hmm. sure I get my workouts in. Um, I hadn't been eating healthy. I, I had started my fitness journey with him in 2009 and I was, you know, learning how to eat properly to fuel myself. And I had stopped doing that while I was with him because I was so, I was so conscious of him not eating healthy that I tried to like get home so I could cook him meals or pack a lunch for him. And then I wasn't eating properly. Um, I was emotionally eating the entire time. So I gained about 10 to 15 pounds um, because I, I was definitely just like, tr- I was trying to comfort myself all the time with food. Um, but because, um, I was lucky I was a small, I'm a smaller individual. So like mm-hmm. I, I wasn't gaining, but I, it was visibly noticeable on my frame. Yeah. Um, and so I learned to do things for myself first when I left the relationship and I learned, okay, what makes me happy? Um, and I just started doing those things one at a time. Awesome. I love that. 
Um, and just so <clears throat> the listeners know, I'll um, also link to Alpha Female Podcast and that particular episode you're talking about in the show notes. So awesome. um, everyone can go to the show notes and grab that. Um, and just one more thing about the relationship before we move forward to kind of post that. Um, another thing that's like a huge uh, sticking point, sticky word um, issue in my community is this idea of red flags and, um, you know, knowing what red flags are, identifying them. Um, Cause I think they're different for every, everyone. I don't think there's just like a list of like, these are like the 10 red flags for every single person out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering, um, did you see red flags? Did you kind of see them, but then just kind of ignore them? Or were you, I mean, just, just talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah. There was like warning signals, like smoke signals, and there's full out like red flag waving that I just ignored. And I completely just like put in a drawer, shut the drawer and said, I'm not dealing with it. Um, so the, the warning signals were, I'm, I was a partier when we met. So we met at a club, we met partying. Um, and in our first year together, he, still wanted to go out and I had started a fitness journey, which meant I had stopped drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was only maybe drinking maybe like once or twice a month. So Mm -hmm. he, uh, still was going out and I said, that's that's great. Like you need your time with your friends. Um, but can you decrease it from like four nights a week to maybe one night a week? And so I had asked that in the relationship and at the beginning he had, um, everything was fresh and, you know, brand new. And, and then those nights started creeping up again. So it was like twice a week and then three times a week. And then he was back to going out four times a week. Um, and that was really hard. Um, and so another, another part of that was I was the, um, major breadwinner in the house. So, um, I was also financing his drinking. So I had provided him with a credit card because he had no credit card. Um, he wasn't able to get one because of credit issues. So I had given him a second one on my account and he was putting that down at the bar and racking up drinking debt. And, um, I was paying it down. He was giving me money once a month for, you know, mortgage payments, um, like utilities and all of that. And, um, and, so the, it just, I kind of ignored that it wasn't equal and that these debt, this debt was being racked up and I was paying it down, but I was paying it down majority with my, my finances. Um, and I never wanted to say anything to him because I thought that would be a trigger to depression. And so if I tell him no, he's going to get mad at me. Got it. And so you're ignoring these um, smoke signals and red flags. And we're, I know you talked about learning unconditional love from your parents and from your mother. Um, was there something else? Because I know a little bit bef- before this interview, we talked about, you know, you were on this like timeline of when you think, you know, you wanted to be married mm-hmm. and start a family or, or whatever, you know, your personal goals are. So mm-hmm. was that a reason you were ignoring red flags or is there something else that just kind of made you like, I'm just going to pretend like that's not going on right now or. Yeah, um, no, I was, um, and I found this out in therapy that I was living on a societal timeline of okay. expectations 
conversations of when I thought I should be married. And I created these subconscious thoughts. So in grade eight, we had a home ec teacher that had us create these dream boxes. And I want to go back and find out what exactly she said, because I fully (laughs) am blaming this dream box on the unrealistic expectations I had on my timeline. So we were asked to put this like dream timeline of like when we, what we saw our life like, and it was really just goal setting, Mm -hmm. but all I knew was like, okay, my parents met in university. So I'll put down that I'm going to meet my husband in university. And then my parents had um, kids later in life, but I was just like, okay, so I'll have, I'll start having babies maybe five years into my career. And I had this all mapped out on this, on the roof of a shoebox. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I, I was, I think I met him when I was turning like 28 or 29. I was like, I'm almost 30. Like I should be getting married. And I also believe this was the advent of like social media booming. Uh-huh. So, I had all of these expectations of when I thought I should be married and sh- mm-hmm. I thought I should be having kids. And I had this man and the day I met my ex-fiance, he told me he wanted to have babies with me. So I was like, oh, awesome. I found a man to start a family with. Okay, cool. <laughs> Check. And so like, I've got all of these society pressures coming down on me. I'm, I'm nearing my thirties where everyone starts talking about like your eggs drying up in the media. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to hear that in mass media and then Facebook comes around and everyone starts posting pictures of their engagements and their weddings in the, and you're like, Oh my gosh, like why I'm late to the party. And so you start living against a social media timeline. And so I am fully blaming the subconscious thoughts that were created from this grade eight timeline box, Mm -hmm. the, the pressures of social media. Um, And that was like why I was trying to push through this. Like I was like, okay, I'm just going to, if I get to the wedding, it's going to be a happy moment in our life that he can focus on and like see the positivity of uh, like all of our friends and family supporting us. And maybe that will help pull him out of the depression. Like I used it as a bandaid. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that so, so much. I mean, I, um, I don't know if I'm considered a late bloomer, but I feel like a lot of my friends were already married long before I met Stevie, the person I'm in a relationship with now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that's such a common sentiment among my community. So I think it's going to just be really nice for them to hear that. Um, So cool. Um, So can you, so shifting away, you know, kind of more to the process of healing and starting to date again, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how, you know, I, I know you used this idea of a bucket list to heal. So can you talk a little bit about that? And then just looking back, like what lessons have you learned? How are you, if you're dating, how are you dating differently now? Mm-hmm. So, um, I started creating bucket lists because I realized I hadn't been living my life for the four years that I was with this individual. And, um, I, so one, I read the happiness project first, that was like kind mm-hmm. of like the catalyst into my healing process. And so I, uh, one of the chapters is on your aims and like, and then you kind of like write down, what do you like doing? What do you not like doing? What do you wish you were doing more of? And that kind of helps you figure out what you want in your life. And then I mm-hmm. created themes for every month. Um, and so like, I think, um, I started reading it in the fall of 2012 after I'd called off the wedding. Uh, it was supposed to be in August. And so January I was like, okay, I'll focus on fitness. Like, let me get back to eating five healthy meals a day. 
And then next week, let me get my water intake up. So I was doing one thing at a time during a week. And that was the theme, like fitness and health was January. Um, And then February was make space. So I started like cleaning out my closets and any knickknacks we had, you know, accumulated over the four years. I was getting rid of those. And so I just kind of did one thing at a time. And then summer was coming and I was like, I don't want to waste another summer. So what do I want to do? And so it started really small, like little things. Like I want a balcony garden. I'd like to go on a healthy picnic with um, a date. Uh, mm-hmm. What else did I put? I want to go on a road trip, play golf. Like it was, it was only about six or seven items. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing everything and realizing how much fun I could have. And I tried to do things that I could do on my own because I wasn't happy spending time on my own. Um, I was also discovering the concept of self-love at this time. And I had such a hard time even sitting in my condo by myself. Like I didn't like spending time on my, by myself. So I started working on those things and like, can I go to a restaurant by myself and eat uh, out in public? So I started doing those things. Um, and then winter came around and I was like, you know what? I had such a great summer. Let me make a winter bucket list so that I can, you know, make the most of this winter. Like I'd like to go out skating and, um, I want to learn how to snowboard. And so there was things that I'd done in my past that I missed doing. So I put those on the list and then I put things on the list that I'd never tried before. And it's even evolved from there. So last summer, this is three, three summer bucket lists now into my healing mm-hmm. journey. And now it's more like adrenaline junkie focus. Like I went <laughs> skydiving and bungee jumping. Oh, wow. Um, and all of that. But what was great about the bucket list was not only was I allowed to do things on my own on the list, but uh, it became a dating tool. Like I would show the list to people that I was going out on dates with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you want to do something on the list? So it, be- <laughs> it became like an activity planner. Um, and so there was one summer I dated a gentleman for a few months and he loved it cause he had never been in a relationship like that. And he was like, let's go rock climbing this weekend and next weekend let's go caving. And so like, he got really excited about it. So it was, it was a great tool for me to find people that liked adventure and people that liked activities and the outdoors. That's really important for me. Um, and I'm currently dating, uh, someone right now and he even has started making suggestions like, can we add this to the winter bucket list? <laughs> he took me winter camping this uh, winter and I had never even considered that. So um, it just has shown me like when people show interest in it uh, and share so many of the same goals and values mm-hmm. um, that I have, then it's a great way to get to know someone um, mm-hmm. Instead of the standard, like I'm against the standard coffee and dinner dates because they mm-hmm. just become interviews. Yeah. I, lo- I loved doing something for an hour with someone. And even if we didn't click, I didn't feel like it was time wasted. So because I felt I was saying things after the relationship, like I just wasted four years of my life. And that's a standard statement that women make mm-hmm. when leaving a relationship. Now, even if the date bombed and there was no way in hell I was ever going to yeah. spend time with them, I still had an amazing hour and they probably had a a great hour as well. Um, that is, that is just so cool because so many of the women in my community are just like, I hate that, you know, I can show up to a date within five minutes. We're just sitting there over a drink or dinner and they just know that this guy's not, um, you know, the one for them or like, they're not going to click and they hate wasting time, which makes them not even want to date in the first place. So, um, I just, I'm just so 
appreciative that you shared that because that is just so awesome. And, you know, what I do is I do this date yourself challenge, helping women go out and do things by themselves to cultivate that relationship with themselves. And so, which is pretty much the same concept as of your bucket list. So I just Mm. so love that and so appreciate that that was a, um, a healing tool for you and really something that you're still doing. It wasn't just something that you did for like a year and you're like, okay, I'm good now, but like you're still using it, you know, in your Mm -hmm. current relationship. Um, Yeah. And something that I wanted to mention was, um, like how did I, I wanted to start dating right away. Like I want to talk about that because as a, as an alpha female, (laughs) I was trying to have the perfect life on paper. Like I was trying to push to get married and have kids because I thought I needed to do that by 30. So I was trying to be perfect on paper. And when, um, so I didn't share this yet, but, um, when we called off the wedding and he, uh, the day that he told me, I disgusted him, asked him to leave my mom, the, the uh, honeymoon was a week later mm-hmm. and we had decided to still go on it as like a chance to get away. And, um, you know, just work on our relationship. And that completely fell through. So I went on my honeymoon with my mother (laughs) at a very romantic (laughs) resort, um, where she had to like rush into the room and sweep rose petals off of the bed. (laughs) It's like that sex in the city, um, movie, the first one, I think. (laughs) Yes. Like I, I fully experienced that. I, I like when I, I had a really hard time watching that sex in the city because it brought back really bad memories. Yeah. Yeah. Little things like the champagne was there and it said like, congratulations, Mr. And Mrs. Baldwin. Like it was my name Oh wow! (laughs) because I was the breadwinner. So I was paying for everything. So it was on my credit card. And so like little things like that, like I was just like, I, my mom and I would laugh at these things and then we chugged the champagne and cried, but it was, um, it was, it was nice to spend that time with her and we got really Mm -hmm. close and things I hadn't shared with her during the relationship because I was embarrassed and ashamed of mm-hmm. how, how badly I had let it go. Um, it was a great time for us to kind of reconnect. And um, the purpose of this story is when we got back from the honeymoon, I got phone calls from several of my ex-fiance's friends and they had seen me. So I had been posting on social media about the wedding planning. Like I was the Pinterest bride pinning everything and it was being pinned to Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went dead silent and said nothing. Cause I was so embarrassed and ashamed of not yeah. getting like, it was like I had failed. Yeah. And, um, so his friends had reached out to me when I, cause I had started posting pictures of my mom and I on the honeymoon and I didn't say it was the honeymoon, but people guessed and mm-hmm. his, his friends reached out to me and I received two phone calls with exact details of times where I had not been able to find my fiance, where he had gone missing for days on end. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told me he had been cheating on me for three years of the relationship. Oh, wow. Um, so that that's when it registered. When he said, you disgust me, I realized that it wasn't me, that it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that he was like the warning signs that I didn't talk about were yes, him not, um, uh, like he, he would disappear for days on end where he was with other women. Um, he would also, when he went out to the clubs, he would, the clubs would close in, I'm in Toronto. They would close at 2 AM and he wouldn't come home till four and there's only so much you can do in the city for two hours. So yeah. that's when things started clicking. He also came home with a sexually transmitted disease, 
And I was like, oh, no, no, you probably, that was probably in your younger years. It was just dormant for all of this time. Oh, like wow. I, would make, I would make up stories. So when his friends called me and told me that um, he had been cheating on me, I was like, yep, that makes sense. Okay, it's confirmed. Okay, now I can move on. And I remember saying in my head, okay, I need to start dating right away because like I am a catch and I've just wasted four years of my life. Like I need to get a man ASAP. Like (laughs) I was still on this fast forward timeline. Um, and I started dating right away. I, I think I caught, we called off the wedding in August and I was dating someone by October and, um, it was messy and it was Mm -hmm. ugly. (laughs) And, um, the, the individual was amazing. He listened to me tell my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it was awkward for him, but he showed me adventure and he actually got me into obstacle course racing. So the relationship was what I needed at the time. Right. And, um, it wasn't perfect because I was anxious. There was so much anxiety. If he, if I didn't hear from him within like an hour of me sending a text message, I was frantic oh, because wow. all of these this way of living was programmed yeah. from, from my ex. Like uh, he, you know, he would disappear for days on end. I wouldn't hear from him. I got anxiety. And then I was just like projecting that on the next person. So I had to learn how to really, really love myself. I had to, um, deal with the anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. and I had to learn how to give trust right away and not bring baggage along with me. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I'm going to also link to the Periscope or Twitter video that I told you that I watched that I thought was really good about, um, you know, just believing that you are enough and how that changed, um, you know, the way you dated and um, your experiences with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I dated some great guys. Um, It was probably like 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, Two guys back to back. And they were amazing. And like conversations right off the bat, the first date was an adventure. Uh, we got along, we both shared, um, our story, mm-hmm. um, and like within the first or second date. So it was very, fairly soon, but it, I felt supported and cared for. And the individual, I hope felt the same and it was fireworks and passion. And there was definitely like lust in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would date for each relationship was three months back to back. Um, and both times the, the first individual even said he loved me and wanted to marry me. And I, w- I didn't believe it. There was something in my gut that was like, this isn't right. And, um, I went away on a vacation and was searching through social media, <laughs> click on a couple of profiles. And I found out that he had a girlfriend, <laughs> Um, had been lying to me the entire time and it brought yeah. back all of these memories. And then I jumped the very like next week, started dating someone new. I was a big internet and Tinder dater. <laughs> and um, the next individual, same thing, fireworks, lust, uh, passion, conversation, felt supported, same goals, values. Um, and then he ghosted me after three months just disappeared, didn't hear from him, couldn't, couldn't find him. And then he surfaced on social media, uh, a few weeks later with a girlfriend. Oh, wow. And so both times I sat there going, why am I not enough for these people? Why, what is wrong with me? Why, Mm -hmm. why, why couldn't they make a commitment to me? And so I went back to therapy at that time and, um, therapist was a psychotherapist. So a lot of cognitive 
repetitive behavior and would repeat these statements back and um, would say, like, if you were sitting across from a girlfriend who said this, what would you tell them? And I would tell them that they were silly and that they were stupid and that had nothing to do with them, that they, these men were not the right people and that is okay. But I was still trying to fulfill this fast timeline. Um, and so the only thing that had, that killed my like obsession with timelines was, Mm -hmm. um, in December of 2014, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and, uh, that's when I really truly needed to start living my life for myself yeah. and taking care of myself and dating, you know, fully fell by the wayside. It was not a priority because that was stressful and ang- it was full of, it was still full of anxiety, mm-hmm. even despite meeting great guys and, you know, going on these adventures and, um, and understanding that I was enough, but now it was just like, no, now I need to put myself first. Um, and that's when I started meeting people more organically and mm-hmm. more comfortably. Um, and actually, I stayed in a full long-term relationship last year. Um, and the man that I'm with now, uh, again, met naturally and organically and like no, no online dating or internet dating or Tinder dating, um, because I chose to actually take care of myself first and, um, put myself first. That's, uh, that's so great. And such a beautiful way to, um, wrap up this episode. Cause that is the essence of what I teach with my one-on-one clients and then my dating mindset boot camp. So, um, I just, I love that. And it's so true. And I've just seen it true with myself, my clients, and just, you know, with you and just a lot of so many women, um, that I meet that have this same story of once they started putting themselves first, dating themselves, um, you know, the motto for my business is treat yourself the way you want to be treated. Mm. Um, and it's just, I just, I love that, you know, your story just affirms that. Um, there's a quote from, uh, a movie, uh, I'm, I'm not going to remember it right now, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, we accept the love we think we deserve mm, Yeah, and, and I deserve amazing love now. And that's what I'm getting. That's awesome. I love that. Awesome. Well, um, uh, so Robin, where can my, um, audience find you on the internet? So, uh, I'm at robinbaldwin.com, but one thing I I do want to offer is if you are actually going through canceling a wedding, your brain is hurting and, uh, doesn't know what to do. So I put together a wedding cancellation checklist, um, for brides that need to reverse their planning. Um, so it's at weddingcancellationchecklist.com and it's a simple PDF, but it'll help you stay organized when you can't think straight. Yeah. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. I love that. Um, uh, awesome. And the, I forgot to tell you this when we were talking offline, but I do ask all of my guests, um, what is your favorite way to treat yourself? So I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) Every night I open my Kobo and, um, read. I'm obsessed with self-development books because I'm constantly learning how to take care of myself better. And I have an Epsom salt bath with lavender essential oil or frankincense essential oil. And that is how my body shuts down for the day and relaxes. Awesome. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Robin. This was an incredible conversation and I know that um, my audience will love it. So I'm just so appreciative that you took the time to come on to the show today. Thank you for helping me share my story. All right. Thanks. 
Hey y'all, Veronica here again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So I say all my episodes are my favorite, which really is true, but I know that Robin's story in particular hits home for so many women, even if you're not going through a broken wedding or broken engagement. I know that ignoring red flags, putting others first, and taking responsibility for someone else's happiness are all too common of themes that I see. To get all of the links to everything we talked about in this episode, including Robin's website, her checklist, to canceling a wedding and the book that we mentioned, the happiness project and more. You can find all of that in the show notes at veronicagrant.com forward slash episode 12. And that's the number 12. All right, ladies until next week. Thank you for listening to date yourself radio. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive free coaching with me in an upcoming episode or submit your question. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe to it in iTunes. I would also be so grateful if you left a review since that helps me share the power of dating yourself with more women. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at veronicagrant.com. Until next week, here's to treating yourself the way you want to be treated. Much love and happy dating. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.